Hello, my lovely people, and welcome back to The Fletcher Files, a Murder, She Wrote podcast with your host, Monty. This week, we are talking about Armed Response. Season 1, episode 21, first aired March 31st, 1985. And the IMD summary reads, Jessica Fletcher is in the hospital with a cast on her leg as a result of an airport accident when murder sneaks into the small, exclusive medical center. Uh Uh-oh, murder's out here sneaking into places. (laughs) She can't even heal from an accident that caused an injury without someone being murdered. Oh my goodness, poor Jessica. Uh, She loves it, but still, poor Jessica. (laughs) Let's get right into it. So we are in Texas, okay? So, um, which is made very clear by, I think we see some longhorns, perhaps, um, the cowboy hat and the accent, all of which lead us to the conclusion that we are in Texas before they even tell us we're in Texas. Okay, so we meet Milton Porter. And he is an attorney and he is sitting in the back of his limousine yelling at some young, I'm assuming law associate, um, about (laughs) making sure that he gets um, the retainer signed and the, I guess, contract for the book deal, if I remember correctly, (laughs) because that's the only way they're going to get paid. Um, He then proceeds to tell his driver to basically put the pedal to the metal because he has a million dollars Uh, coming on that plane. So we find out that that million dollars on the plane is Jessica Fletcher. Now, how did she get mixed up with a guy like Milton Porter, who gives attorneys a bad name? Love the actor, love the character, but... (laughs) Oh, the stereotype of it all. Oh, I love it. This, I'll tell you now, Uh, spoiler alert, I love this episode and I watch it often. So, (laughs) and one of the reasons is because of Milton Porter. Oh my goodness, him, um, Melanie, who we'll meet and her husband was some real country name. (laughs) We'll get to it when we get to it. Um, but I really liked the auxiliary characters in this episode. So Jessica's flying in and she's basically there as, I guess, a character witness for Porter's client, Harold Endicott, who has been accused of plagiarism. So he is suing, uh, I'm assuming that he's the one who's suing uh, whatever um, agency or paper or company accused him of plagiarism um, to the public. That's that's what I'm guessing, that it is a uh, slander or a libel suit. And Jessica's there as a character witness. And clearly Porter is just concerned about the money and how much money he can win from this for Harold. Uh, Jessica is deeply concerned about the stain on Harold's reputation that even this accusation can cause. So she is there Um, with her cape on, ready to save the day. Because Jessica Fletcher's name holds a lot of weight. So having her testify is really the end-all be-all. 
which I completely agree. And this was very smart on um, Porter's behalf. So, but he's that type of lawyer. So, of course, he would um, talk to his client like, oh, you know Jessica Fletcher? Perfect, perfect. Call her up. Call her up. Get her here. Fly her to Texas immediately. <laughs> but, hey, it works out for Harold, I guess. Now, so as they're leaving the airport, Jessica and Porter are talking. Um, the limo driver is behind them and there is a, I guess you would call him a sky cap, who's helping with Jessica's luggage as well. As they're talking, they pause, I guess the car is right in front. So as they're getting ready to get into the car, these two kids, two young boys come running through the airport, right outside the airport. I'm like, whose children are these? They don't have a coat on, it, it's Texas, right? But they don't have a piece of luggage, a book bag, a knapsack, a fanny pack, nothing. Whose children are that? Are they? They don't look related, but you know, they, they could be brothers. I don't know. Um, or they could have just met because kids will do that. Now they're best friends for life. But they're just running wild outside. There are cars, there are airport shuttles, there are hotel shuttles, anything. They're right next to the street and they're running on the sidewalk, pushing people out of the way. Like, this is terrible. So they push, um, I think, the sky cap, who then bumps into the limo driver, who bumps into Jessica, and she she takes a tumble. And um, as she falls, she ends up twisting, and we find out, twisting her ankle, and we find out she broke uh, her fifth metatarsal. I'm going to assume that's in her foot, but I don't know. She had a... a cast that went up to her knee. So anything is possible. I Maybe I'll look that up at some point. <laughs> so after Jessica falls, as she is being helped up by Porter and I believe Henry or the Skycap, all three of them, I think, help. Um, she's like, oh, you know, I'm sure I'm fine. Porter's like, we're still in the airport. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I am... This, this is perfect. Not only am I going to get paid from Harold Endicott for winning his case because of Jessica, I now can have another huge payout from suing the airport for Jessica's injuries. Like, this is amazing. This is, oh, this is perfect. Like, he is just living his best life right now. Um, to the point where he's like, Henry who's the, his limo driver. I am going to drive Jessica, me personally, driving this limousine. Okay, big time lawyer guy. I am driving Jessica to the best doctor in the state of Texas. You stay here. You give a report to the police. You also get the name and contact information for every single witness here. Okay, thanks. And before he even gets Jessica in the car good, Henry is with his pad and paper speaking with <laughs> the other people at the airport. Like, he is on it. I am guessing that this is not the first time something like this has fallen into Porter's lap, and Henry has been on the job. I thought it was hilarious that Henry was like, uh, already, already pen, pad of paper, speaking with the witnesses. Uh, this is efficient. This is efficiency at its best. 
Um, so <laughs> the next scene, we're at the Sam Samuel Garver Institute. And this is Dr. Sam's hospital. And he is personally treating Jessica at this point. He is personally treating Jessica because we learned that Milton Porter um, holds a lot of weight. I think he brings a lot of patience to Dr. Sam. It's a give and take relationship clearly between these two. So the initial visit and diagnosis is going to be from the namesake of the Institute. And he tells Jessica, okay, so you fractured your fifth metacarpal, um, whatever that means, but <laughs> all you doctors out there, you know what that is. Um, he said, I'm going to put you in a cast and before you know it, you'll be able to, he said, clump around. I'm like, sir, honestly, let, let's, let's be more diplomatic about this. Um, uh, but you'll be able to, to get around at least and walk, you know, so don't worry about it. We'll get you set. While Dr. Sam is seeing Jessica, there is also, I think Dr. Ellison is in the room as well. Yes, Dr. Ellison is in the room. And as is Nurse Jenny Wells. Now, as Dr. Sam is leaving, so he's told Jessica her diagnosis and what's going to happen next. So at this point, Dr. Ellison is going to take over to put the cast on. But as Dr. Sam is leaving, uh, Nurse Wells stops him right at the door and says, uh, and starts talking to him about another patient, Barney Ogden. And um, Dr. Sam says, there's nothing wrong with him. And um, Jenny's like, nothing showing up on the test and everything like that. He's like, yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with him. Um, but, <laughs> but he's willing to, but he thinks there's something wrong. So he's willing to, um, accept this man's money until Barney feels that he's okay. Right. There's clearly nothing medically wrong with him from what they can see. Clearly he's depressed. Right. So there he could get an antidepressant and go on with his life, but then he's not paying exorbitant amounts to stay at this hospital. But depression is a medical issue. But in 1985, it wasn't, you know, something that was, I don't think it was something that was diagnosed like that. It's like, it's not showing up on any of the physical tests. No, he's not physically um, injured, but it's an emotional thing. And clearly the treatment that Dr. Sam has prescribed is him staying, him being Barney, staying at this hospital, paying these crazy amounts every day. Okay. And we'll find out how much that is in a little bit. Just an exorbitant amount, period, but especially in 1985. So as Dr. Ellison is finishing up the cast on Jessica's leg, um, we find out that he is from Chicago. And Jessica recognizes the accent. She's like, oh, I have a cousin who's born and bred on the north side of Chicago. To which Ellison is like, uh, I'm from the south side, you know, a couple of hundred miles away. I'm like, okay, dude, right? You, you had a rough upbringing. All right, this is not the time nor the place, okay? She does not know you and she's not saying anything derogatory you could have just said oh yes I'm from Chicago 
And left of that, right after he says that, um, Sadie comes in, right? And so <laughs> Sadie is feisty, feisty. And I love her. Like I said, I love all of the auxiliary characters because they just, they're not just filling a space. They all have a unique personality that just works so well together. Um, I, I love it. She tells Jessica, she was like, don't you just love it here? Cigarettes, bourbon, sex, all gone. So Dr. Ellison uh, says, yeah, but not forgotten, right, Miss Winthrop? So (laughs) at least he was a bit more, at least his personality came out a little bit after he snapped at Jessica. Uh, Because that clearly was a snap at Jessica. Like, I don't. I, I did not appreciate that at all, personally. So after that, Jessica is wheeled around, you know, just seeing what's what. And I think she's scheduled to meet Milton Porter. Um, but she goes to the front desk in, and she hands over her insurance card to Nurse Horton, who is the head nurse. And um, <laughs> Nurse Horton's like, yeah, we don't take insurance here. She's like, uh, What? <laughs> how much is this gonna cost me out of pocket is you know that's exactly what she's thinking like uh y'all don't take insurance (laughs) why did he bring me here (laughs) anyway uh porter comes in right on time it's like oh don't even worry about it we know who's going to be paying for this clearly it's the airport right um, don't you worry about it. You know, I'm on the job. We're going to get, we're going to see that airport and we're going to get everything that you're, des- that you deserve. She's like, yeah, um, I don't want to see the airport. He's like, oh my God, don't, ooh, what, what? Like she cursed him. He's like, oh my goodness. Don't say that. Don't say, don't, don't. Oh goodness. Blasphemy. <laughs> he was like, how dare you even utter those words (laughs) he's like we'll talk about it later so (laughs) she's like okay i'm like jessica now let that man negotiate because this hospital is not free it is expensive and they do not take insurance and you know they don't give a discount for not having it for paying out of pocket because they don't take insurance so let him negotiate and have the airport pay for this. Okay, you don't have to do a full lawsuit and, you know, demand hundreds of thousands of dollars, but getting your medical bills covered, yeah, let that man do that, Jessica. That That's all you got to do. Let him get your hospital bills paid, and if he want to get his fee, let him do that. But, yeah, don't you come out of pocket for this nonsense, though. Don't you do that, Jessica. So, later on, we meet Dr. Kenyon, and... um he comes up to check on Jessica and he knows Milton Porter, right? Everybody knows him because, um, Porter like basically called everyone and told them that Jessica was there and, you know, to treat her right and et cetera, et cetera. And like I said, I believe that he has a lot of, we meet another one of his clients too. So, uh, who's at this hospital. Um, but that's why I believe that him, being Porter and Dr. Sam have a thing going here where either Dr. Sam refers people to Porter or Porter refers clients to the hospital. Um, 
you know, they definitely have a handshake and a smile situation going on. Anyway, so it is very apparent that Dr. Kenyon has an issue with Dr. Ellison. And Jessica picked up on it immediately because Dr. Kenyon is looking at the cast and like, oh, how are you feeling? Da, da, da. And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm doing great. Dr. Ellison did a great job. And his face, Dr. Kenyon's face drops immediately. It goes from, oh, nice doctor checking on a patient to how dare you utter that man's name? How would you, how dare you let him touch you? He's terrible. Um, so <laughs> she's like, oh, wow. He clearly has a problem with Dr. Ellison. And the thing is like, you shouldn't let anyone see you sweat. That is really unprofessional to let a patient see that you have an issue with another treating physician. That is unprofessional, period. So then Nurse Wells, who I don't know how long she's been working at this hospital, but she clearly doesn't know the etiquette of working in this hospital. <laughs> because she's like, yeah, let me give you the dirt on this. <laughs> she's like, yeah, the reason he's worried and they're, they're at each other's throats like two toddlers fighting over a toy is because last year a doctor was fired. And Dr. Sam went and told everybody within the medical community that that doctor was incompetent and he has been unable to get another job since. So how that relates to these two is because there's a rumor that Dr. Sam is going to bring in a new doctor and replace one of the two, Dr. Ellison or Dr. Kenyon, but he refuses to tell anybody which one he's going to replace. So he's playing them against each other. So either one there so one of two things is going to happen. They one is going to destroy the other one, you know. And so it'll make it easy to replace that person. Or two, they're both going to get into it and sabotage each other and both end up fired and he'll have to replace both of them. Which I'm sure the I'm sure he's paying them excellent money. So I'm I'm promise you, I promise you that he will have no trouble getting another doctor in there immediately. So they're they're scared, but they don't see that. They don't see that they need to just work together. Um, well, I take that back. They do end up working together. But I mean that they need to keep on a mask, that everything is hunky dory. Um, Kenyon's a great doctor. Ellison's a great doctor. I don't have anything against them. So you don't end up sabotaging yourself, you know? So Dr. Sam has to make the decision on his own. You don't make it for him is what I'm saying. But they don't reason that out. They don't figure this out. They both have very obvious tells that they dislike each other and it's going to be to their detriment. So now the next scene, we're at Dr. Sam's house, which is about five minutes away from the hospital, and he's having a party. So at this party, we meet Billy Don and Melanie, right? So Melanie is clearly the one who has the money, right? And she wants her checkup, her yearly checkup with Dr. Sam, and she goes, and I think she spends the weekend there for all treatments and tests and all of that, Um because it's 
you know, a rich people hospital, right? <laughs> and Billy Don is like, you go there, you spending this money and there's nothing wrong with you. And she's like, uh, it's my checkup. Thank you. <laughs> so they're going back and forth. And finally, Melanie says, Billy Don, it's my cattle, my oil, and my checkup. <laughs> For one, I love her ridiculous like accent. I love it. I love it. It's just breathy and country and just high society, uh, Southern Belle, just all of that mixed in. And I love it. And the thing that is the best part is she is the person who is in control of the cattle, the oil, and the money. Okay, it's her money. Billy Don is just, oh my goodness, Billy Don is a sugar baby. He's a sugar baby. Well, they're married, so is it, are you still a sugar baby? So he, <laughs> she's a sugar mama. Oh, wow. I'm just now really thinking about the fact that Melanie is the sugar mama. And I'm like, Melanie, you kind of got you a young guy. But I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just saying, uh, Billy Don ain't ugly, but like you could have got you a young one who is <laughs> not going to complain about you spending all your money, how you want to spend your money. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so while they're at the party, um, Dr. Ellison is there. Dr. Kenyon is not. I'm assuming that Dr. Kenyon is on call at the hospital now because Dr. Ellison um, is leaving the party early to go because he is um, on call this evening. So he is going to the hospital after the party. Um, And we don't meet any other doctors. It's just these two doctors. So I'm guessing that they switch off since Dr. Sam is off for the night for his party. So... Um, the phone rings during this party and Dr. Sam actually picks it up, but you know what? It could be an emergency. We don't have cell phones at this point. Um, he didn't have a pager on because it's his party. So he picks up his house phone and it's nurse Wells and she's asking for authorization for a test. And he was like, can you do me a favor and never call me at my home again and hangs up. And I am not going to judge him for that. For two reasons. One, who's the doctor on call? It's not Dr. Sam. Who is it? Ask Dr. Kenyon. And if Dr. Kenyon is not available, wait for Dr. Ellison to come in and ask him for authorization for these tests. Why are you calling Dr. Sam when there are doctors on call for this very reason? And two, you know he's in the middle of a party. You know that. Why are you calling him at home? nurse. Why? Why would you do that when there are other doctors who are authorized? One who should be in the facility right now and another one who's going to be there in about an hour. So come on now. Come on. Now, I'm not even mad at Dr. Sam for telling her that. Like, do not ever call this house again. The fact is I have doctors on staff to give authorization for tests. If that doctor does not give authorization, do not call me at home. If someone is dying, that is different. But (laughs) 
then clearly that doctor needs to be fired who's allowing this person to die that you got to call me at my house during a party. But no, Nurse Wells, no, that was that was inappropriate. It really was. Like you, you're trying to get fired. No, you, you're actually trying to get fired because there, it's not reasonable when there is a doctor on site and another one who is about to be on site that can give you authorizations, especially after Dr. Sam talked to you earlier about, I know what I want to do with these patients. Now, I am of the full belief that 99% of the time, if a nurse is like, listen, doctor, listen, A, B, C, and D, that that doctor should acknowledge and check out what the nurse said, okay? Actually, 100% of the time, you should check out what the nurse said. Don't ever dismiss a nurse or another medical professional just because you're a doctor, okay? So I, I'm on board with that. But in this case where it's like, I know what's wrong with him. You're doing these tests. Nothing's going to appear on these tests. Okay. You know why? Because there's nothing wrong with him. I know that he does not want to accept that there is nothing wrong with him. Again, he's depressed. That is something wrong, but that's not something that I'm guessing at this time they are able to treat. So, uh, you know, uh, sorry, Nurse Wells. I do like her, but... This is really inappropriate, period. After that, um, Dr. Sam tells Dr. Kenyon, like, um, I, I, I like that about you, that you're decisive, you know? And um, so, of course, this builds up Dr. Kenyon. And then Dr. Sam sees this and immediately says, yeah, you know, I'm having Dr. Ellison over for brunch um, this weekend. You know, can't p- can't play favorites, um, to which Dr. Kenyon's face drops. You know, he tries to catch it, but it, it falls all the way to the ground. My question is, are there going to be other people there as, as like a brunch party type thing, as opposed to a dinner party, like a brunch party? Or is it one-on-one? Because I think that's the question I would have as Kenyon, Like, is he going to get a one-on-one where I had to kind of mingle in this party and talk to him here and there? Um, So I would be concerned. I I would be concerned. And he cannot ask. Like, he can't ask because then it makes him look jealous and nosy and things like that. So he can't even ask to see, oh, well, who else is going to be at this brunch, right? Dr. Sam is not a good person. He's not. He's really not a good person. Um... Even though Dr. Kenyon and Dr. Ellison aren't great either, maybe that's why they work well together. <laughs> They're all just the taste terrible, okay? <laughs> just the taste terrible. <laughs> so now we're back at the hospital and Jessica is um, on crutches going down to the lounge area and she wants to get some tea. But um, it won't take her dollar Uh, or it does. No, it won't take her dollar. So she goes over to Barney, who's sitting there by himself watching the news. And she asks, oh, hi, um, Mr. Ogden, because he has his name embroidered on his robe because he's fancy and just well put together. I love that everyone in this hospital, all the patients that we see 
are just well put together despite the fact that they're in a hospital. Um, yeah, granted, it's a TV show, but I like that they get up and they, even in his pajamas, you know, has his monogrammed robe and just, just like clearly shaved today. Probably did a second shave because he doesn't have a five o'clock shadow. His hair is impeccably combed. Just, just perfection, you know? <laughs> He's like, ain't nothing wrong here. <laughs> People telling me I'm fine, but uh, I don't feel fine. And But I'm going to put myself together every day. I get out of bed and go around this facility every day. That I'll, that I'll do. She goes and she asks Barney, like, oh, hi, Mr. Ogden. Um, do you have change for a dollar? I'm trying to get some tea and it won't take my, uh, you know, dollar bill. And he's like, no, I don't. And then turns back to the TV. And Jessica's looking like, I don't know if she wanted to start a conversation with him or what. But I'm like, well, he said something. So then if you wanted to start a conversation, you should then say something. But she continues to look at him. And he's like, anything else? I can help you with. She's like, oh, no, sorry to have disturbed you. (laughs) Not for nothing, Jessica, that was weird. Because if he said something then the response is, if you want to get into a conversation like, oh, you know, the weather or talk about something on the news or whatever to engage him in a conversation, you don't just stare at him. <laughs> so I'm sorry that he was rude to you, but that was weird. That, that was kind of weird, Jessica. So she goes out into to the nurse's station and Nurse Horton is there. And she says, oh, you know, do you have change for a dollar? I wanted to get some tea. And they're like, we would have brought it to you. And she's like, no, you have actual sick people to take care of. I'm like, no, they don't. <laughs> they don't, actually. They don't. Like, you... <laughs> I'm sorry. But, like, no, like, Jessica's actually injured. Sadie is actually injured. But it's being managed. So it's still an actual hospital. Now, I don't know if they have people on life support there that I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's that type of uh, setup. But um, honestly, if you wanted some tea, there's someone, especially on the overnight shift, if things aren't buzzing and beeping, that they'd bring you tea, ma'am. It's a rich people hospital. (laughs) Of course they'll bring you tea to your room you know they probably have sufficient staff to make sure that all of their patients are attended to but because Jessica is the person that we know and love to be selfless she would rather because she is mobile would rather get up and do it herself I'm like but if they brought you tea it would have been free you know or charge to the room, <laughs> like a hotel. We're going to charge it to the room. The airport will pay for it. It's fine. But the nurse does actually give her change for a dollar. And while that's happening, Dr. Kenyon and Dr. Ellison come down the hallway arguing. And um, they then notice that people are watching. Both patients and nurses are watching. Uh, and other hospital staff. So they're like, let's not do this in the open. So they walk into the administration office, slam the door, and you can still hear them clear as day. You can hear them. The acoustics in this office is amazing. 
Okay, amazing. <laughs> but the thing is, okay, I, this is a rich people's hospital, so this might not actually be an issue, but that's administration, right? What if, well, this could happen. What if you have to discipline a nurse, right? Everybody hears that. Like everyone at the nurse's station and in the hallway walking by can clearly hear what's going on. Like you can't have a private discussion, um, like an evaluation or someone has a complaint. None of that. You can't have that in that office. It's like they have uh, like a microphone and speaker. <laughs> the sound is crisp and clear out that door. <laughs> anyway, so they're arguing and Dr. Um, Kenya says, well, Dr. Sam told me that you were out um, as to Dr. Ellison, that you were the one who was going to be fired and, you know, you're a, a third-rate doctor and et cetera, et cetera, right? So Jessica's like, uh, this is unprofessional. <laughs> Let me go on back to my room. So the next scene, we're in the security office, security guard office, and um, an alarm is going off. So the two security guards are talking. They're like, oh, that's Dr. Sam's place. Let me call. You know, he hasn't turned off his alarm yet. So they call. No one answers. So the other guard was like, I'll go down and look. Like, I'll go, you know, I'll take a ride down to the house and, and check on things. As the security guard is going, I'm guessing that this is in a gated community. Okay, I'm guessing this is in a gated community. Um if not gated, at least uh, a secure facility because the security guard sees Nurse Wells in her yellow uh, Volkswagen Bug convertible, okay? Just top down, hair blowing in the wind at 11 something at night, bright yellow car, make straight on eye contact. The lighting is perfect. Okay. <laughs> no question as to the identity of this person. So <laughs> anyway, he sees her, but I'm like, well, the guards didn't, I don't know. Maybe there's a separate set of guards at the gate that let her in. If this is a gated community, the security guard gets there. He goes in through the front door and there's a I don't want to say foyer, but there is an area that has a koi pond. Um, I'll refer to it as a lanai because <laughs> it's like a room. It's really like a room. It's not a um, it's not a windowed deck. Um, it's not. It, it has a koi pond in it, and it's right before you get to. You're technically in the house. But there is a, an additional entrance past this, um, this area. So I'll call it like a lanai situation. And he, security guard, with his gun out, looks to the right and sees Dr. Sam dead in, face down in the koi pond. It, they said fish pond, um, but I'll call I'm assuming it's a koi pond, but I could be wrong. But that's what we're going to call it. A koi pond in the lanai. Okay, in Texas. Okay. <laughs> so the next scene, it's the next morning at the hospital. And the breakfast on the menu is apple flapjacks. I'm like, that's amazing. 
And so Jessica's like, this isn't what I would call hospital food. To which Jenny puts, well, Nurse Wells puts her on game. She's like, well, when pampered rich people get sick, they still want to be pampered. That is Dr. Sam's first rule. So again, Nurse Wells, you are telling her too much. You must not have worked there too long that you don't realize that you should not be telling patients, no matter how nice or cool they are, any of the inside secrets at all. But Nurse Wells puts her up on game. Like basically, we're just babysitting you guys. So you're not in a regular hospital. You're getting real medical treatment. We're actual licensed nurses like that. We're not playing the... We're not playing nurses in this facility. They're not playing doctors here. They are licensed practicing doctors and nurses, but we're giving you that extra service, you know, that the extra one-on-one attention and service that you would not necessarily get at County General, you know. So then Sadie comes up and she tells her candy striper, like, (laughs) she's like, go get a beer. I'm like, Sadie, I love her. Um, And she's like, oh, I'll have an order of those flapjacks and a coffee. And Nurse Well says, no, you can have the flapjacks, no coffee. I'll give you carrot juice because Dr. Kenyon was told by Dr. Sam, no coffee for you, Sadie. So she's like, this looks like absolutely venomous to (laughs) to the carrot juice. And I'm like, ah, they probably sweetened it. Like, it's probably not, it's probably fresh made, but as orange as that was, <laughs> maybe it wasn't fresh made, but you know it probably tasted good. It wasn't going to taste crappy, the amount of money they're charging these people. So Barney then comes down and um, he tells Jessica, he was like, I'm really sorry. Um, you know, I was very rude to you and that's inexcusable. And um, they're like, well, you know, what's your problem? Like, why are you here? And he's like, everyone's telling me that there's nothing wrong with me, but I I don't feel like there's nothing wrong with me. And I'm paying $1,000 a day not to know what's wrong with me. And I'm like, it's, you know, now looking at it in 2021, when we've had years now of knowing the effects, signs, symptoms, and effects of depression. That's what this was. It was a clear case of depression. But again, at that time, they were ill-equipped to deal with it as we are able to deal with it now. But side note, $1,000 a day. <laughs> that's outrageous. That That is outrageous. So that's why I'm like, uh, Jessica, you let you let Porter do what he needs to do so you don't have to come out of pocket a thousand dollars a day, not to include actual treatment that you got. Because unlike Barney, who did have some tests at some point, but you had x-rays done, you had a cast put on, so you don't want to see that bill. You better let Milton Porter do what he need to do to get that airport to pay for that money, having them kids just running wild. Where their parents? Sue their parents, right? <laughs> I'm sure their parents couldn't pay that $1,000 a day, though. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Sue the airport. Sue the airport. Settle for your medical bills and lawyer fees, and you're going to be good as gold. <laughs> 
as they're talking, Nurse Horton comes running down the hallway, just distraught, just distraught. Dr. Kenyon is close behind her and everyone's like, oh my God, what's wrong? And so he tells them that Dr. Sam was murdered last night. They think it was as a result of a break-in. So to this, Nurse Wells is like, oh my God, Marge, let me go check on her. So she runs off, which you should do. Um, but you do have three patients that, although they didn't know Dr. Sam as well as uh, either of you, especially Nurse Horton, um, yeah, I I think you might have wanted to make sure that your patients were all right. But I guess she was leaving them with Dr. Kenyon. It was like, he'll figure it out. Anyway, so Jessica then goes back to her room and um, there's a man in there. And she's like, uh, can I help you? And it's Lieutenant Ray Jenkins from Homicide. And um, he's asking for her help. He is aware of her status, her abilities uh, to solve homicides that are not so straightforward and she also has the respect that fancy people, as he calls them, would respond to. He's asking for her help because he doesn't believe it was a robbery. He says that things don't add up. He was shot, Dr. Sam was shot at a 45 degree angle. So either he was sitting down, how did he get to the the fish pond? Um... Or two, he was shot by, uh, what did he say, NBA center? (laughs) So he was like, yeah, there's no seven foot tall um, men on our suspect list. So I'm guessing he had to be shot while sitting down. And so how did that happen? Um, So Jessica's like, all right, well, I, I can help. So let's start at the crime scene. Now, Ray also says, in addition to not um, being confident talking to fancy people or fancy folks, let me let me get it right. So they go to Dr. Sam's house. And while they're there, they first stop at where the body was found. And Jessica notices that his keys, Dr. Sam's keys, are on the floor. And so uh, Lieutenant Jenkins, well, I'll call him Ray. Ray says oh, they must have fallen when he was shot. And she's like, why would he have his keys out? He was already in the house. And he's like, see, this is what I mean. Like, you picking up on this stuff. (laughs) So um, they then look and like, okay, like how was he shot? He could not have been shot here. So they then go into his office, to Dr. Sam's office, and try to figure out. So he says that, all right, so he's at his desk, It's like, okay, so he calls Marge on the phone. He hangs up. Um, He then turns to leave and bang. So Jessica's like at the door and she's like, no, this is too far. So she moves up closer and gets the angle right. And so Ray is like, okay, so it had to be someone he knew. There's no forced entry and he wouldn't have let a stranger get that close to him. So... The theory is that it's Nurse Wells because she was seen fleeing the scene of the crime. And um, also, so Jessica's like, well, you're saying that Nurse Wells could drag his body to the front and put him in the pool? 
well, put him in the, the koi pond. And t- Ray says, yes, she's a nurse. She is used to lifting and moving bodies. And that is 100% true. Now, dead weight is very different, though. <laughs> but nurses... But nurses do have to move people who have died. So she would be well able to move a person who is alive, a person who is dying, and a person after they have passed away. So he is 100% right that... um, And I think, was that a chair on wheels too? Which would have helped her as well. But yeah, she would have been well able to pick him up under the arms and drag him out. So... Yeah, Jessica. Nurses are very strong people. Jessica gets brought back by Ray. And Dr. Kenyon is like outside like, oh, hey, we were about to call uh, the authorities. Like, where have you been? And she's like, oh, I was in good hands, clearly. And so she she gets out and um, she then... <laughs> she, <laughs> she then speaks to Ray through the sunroof. And it's like, okay, if I think of anything, I'll let you know, you know, whatever, whatever. Have a great day. Closes the door. And I'm just thinking, his Ray's police-issued vehicle has a sunroof? <laughs> Maybe it's a Texas thing. Maybe it is a Texas thing that, you know, we got to give you air from all angles. Like, we don't have air conditioning in this vehicle. We got to get you air through all 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 possible openings up in this vehicle. You know, police issued or not, we don't need you passing out at the wheel in this Texas heat. So, (laughs) but I was just taken aback. I'm like, oh, you got a sunroof? All right. Go ahead, Lieutenant. Go ahead. So, as, um, so Jessica asked for a wheelchair because she's, she's been on her feet all day. And Dr. Kenyon gets one. And as he is taking her back to her room, she brings up the fact that um, Dr. Kenyon has an issue with Dr. Ellison, to which um, Dr. Kenyon is surprised she knows this. And she's like, it's a hospital is like a small town. You know, everybody knows everyone's business. But Dr. Kenyon taking the bait instead of being professional He says that Dr. Ellison is a second-rate doctor with a fourth-rate personality. He's a street kid who got out of the streets, but the streets never got out of him. And he has a gun in his car. Now, um, Dr. Kenyon, it's Texas, okay? (laughs) This is—you live in—you live and work in Texas, That is not unusual that he has a gun in his car. (laughs) Am I the only one? Was that supposed to be surprising? Now, maybe for Jessica, who is from Maine, that is shocking. Um, Or wherever Dr. Kenyon is from, that's shocking. But the fact is, y'all are in Texas. He has a gun. He probably has several guns in his car. And that's not a problem. Uh, unless they're unregistered, that is different, but (laughs) the simple fact that he has a gun in his car is it's, it's creating pieces. 
it's dropping seeds. That's what Dr. Kenyon is doing. He is dropping seeds about Dr. Ellison. And so that I get, but I, I'm not so shocked that he, Dr. Ellison has a gun in his car in the great state of Texas. <laughs> so Jessica is now in the hospital. She's back on her feet and she is going to Barney's room and some man comes flying out of there and it's just like, they do a little like this way, that way dance, you know, when you're trying to get past someone and the guy doesn't say a word. He doesn't say, excuse me. He doesn't say, sorry, nothing. And so Jessica goes in and she's like, oh, I see you had a visitor. It's like, yeah, that's my nephew. He's just trying to make sure that I spell his name right on my will. I was like, I would just give all the money to charity. I'm going to lie to you. Um, so no, 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 this is what you do. After you change the will, then you tell him because it's like, I don't even want you to visit because you just waiting for me to die. So yes, I spelled your name correctly on my will saying that you're getting negative $10. Okay. <laughs> pay me that 10, pay my state that $10. Okay. That's what you're getting. That's, that's what you're getting. A bill, an invoice. That's what you're getting. <laughs> Anyway, his his nephew was rude and I wish the worst for him. <laughs> then Sadie comes in as live as a, a wire. And um, she's just like, listen, you can either come and join us, you know, to eat or you can stay in here and we'll call the coroner. Okay, bye. But we, we find out from Sadie that her husband was the same way, just worrying about everything and ended up worrying himself to death. She can't be bothered with that. And sometimes you got to talk crazy to people for them to see um, that, you know, there's a better way. There's, there's something to do. There's someone to care for, something outside of you to, to pull you out of this depression. So... You know, she's not mincing words because she's like, he's just like my husband. He just need to hear the for real, for real deal. If he want to take it, he could take it. If not, I told him. That's all I can do, which is the truth. Right? <laughs> so um, as Jessica and Sadie are walking down the hall to go eat, uh, Jessica sees out the window Nurse Wells being taken away to a police car and then in a police car. She then hurries up outside and bumps into uh, Lieutenant Jenkins, well, Ray. He says that Nurse Wells was um, seen fleeing the scene, like three blocks away from the house, which I'm guessing is still within the community because secure, wherever security was coming from, they saw her, and that she snuck out of the hospital, to which Jessica is like, oh, well, sneak out is a really harsh term. To which Nurse, Nurse Horton was like, she is supposed to sign off the floor if she leaves. She did not because she didn't want anybody to know because she was going over there to kill Dr. Sam. Thank you. You're welcome. She's going to prison. <laughs> and we find out later that uh, Nurse Horton and Dr. Sam did have a romantic relationship. So this is extra difficult for her. I think that Nurse Wells, I think the nurses probably knew about that. Um, so that's also probably why Nurse Wells ran to help her um, when uh, she 
when they all found out about Dr. Sam being murdered. Um, but my question to Nurse Wells is, why would you go to this man's home after he has hung up on you after telling you to never call his home again? I do not understand you as a life, you as a licensed professional. You have gone through nursing school. You have passed your boards. You have received your license. You have gotten this job. You are clearly a conscientious person. You are clearly qualified for this position. But why in the world, with all of that, would you, after being hung up on by the owner of the facility, go to his house? What were you going to say to this man? After he is having a party with people and has hung up the phone on you. You were clearly trying to be fired. That is the only explanation of of this behavior is you were trying to get fired from this job. Why? I don't know. Maybe you didn't want to be a nurse and this was the only way you cannot be a nurse is by getting fired by Dr. Sam and having him tell everybody up and down Texas and the whole Southern, um, you know, the whole every other Southern state that you were a terrible nurse and incompetent. That is the only thing that makes sense to me why you, after being hung up on by the owner of the place you work to go to his house after he's hung up on you to to say what to say what he told you in person you're stepping you're, you're stepping on the line you stepping clear over this line of between nurse and doctor and two cuz you honestly should not have had that conversation in front of two patients that was inappropriate nurse wells um when you asked him about a third patient because there's something called hipaa Okay, you should not be having that discussion with the doctor in the earshot of two patients who were, Jessica was definitely listening to what you had to say. So that was strike one. You could have been fired immediately for that. Two, you then call him instead of the on-call doctor while he's having a party about getting authorization to do some test. That's strike two. You should have been terminated then. But then strike three, you then don't sign out breaking the rules of what you're supposed to do because now they don't know that they're down one nurse for coverage. You sneak out, you drive to his house for what? For what? Okay. Now I understand, spoiler alert, she's not the one who murdered him, but I actually, I actually, I don't like Nurse Wells. You know what? I don't, I don't, you know what? (laughs) It's just, this, every decision that you made does not make sense. You're telling Jessica all of the inside business, which you are never supposed to do. You never tell company secrets to a client and or patient. Never. You never break protocol unless it's life and death, which clearly it wasn't. You never talk about a patient in front of other patients because of HIPAA. Like every decision that you made, you don't leave a hospital for rich people or not. You don't leave a hospital and don't tell anybody that you as a floor nurse 
are not there. That What if somebody codes and they think that, oh, okay, she's over there. She didn't sign out for lunch. She didn't sign out for dinner or a cigarette break. You know, you know, we're looking for Nurse Wells and they're calling you because someone's coding. That is outrageous. So yeah, actually I don't, I don't, I don't like Nurse Wells. Not at all. Anyway, so... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so Jessica <laughs> meets with Milton Porter and asks him to represent Nurse Wells because um, she is going to be arrested, clearly. And um, Porter is not really trying to hear that because once he heard that Nurse Wells was poor, but she... <laughs> I don't think Jessica was referring to her as poor in money, but poor as in, I feel bad for her. <laughs> She's in a bad situation. But, um, so Porter's like, uh, yeah, so I have a Supreme Court brief to finish. I got to go out of state to meet with another client. I got to do some research on another case. To which Jessica says, well, I'm supposed to be writing a book right now but I flew down here to testify for Harold and I'm just like that's not the same Jessica you can write your novel at any time okay you have a deadline to meet is one thing but an attorney who has a motion due to be presented before the Supreme Court, either of Texas or these United States, is much more important for that client who's paying him money than you writing a book. I'm sorry, it is. Him actually dealing with clients who are paying him money because of whatever their issue is and have paid for his time is much more important than you writing your next novel. I'm sorry, but it's true. You know, yes, this was an inconvenience, but because you're the type of person who refuses to allow somebody, as you should, as you should, I'm not judging her for that, but because integrity is so important to you, you were willing to put aside, you know, your plans to come down to Texas for a number of days so that you could testify on your friend's behalf because this was a case about his integrity Yes, that is honorable and that's understandable. But again, that was a choice. Having a signed agreement with someone that you're supposed to represent, it's not about you. Now, writing a book is about your you finishing it and it's for your readers. Representing somebody in front of a court is very different and the responsibilities are very different and the timelines are very strict. Now, you know, you could be penalized financially for bringing your book in late. I understand that. But someone losing their complete livelihood because um, Milton Porter couldn't get around to it because he was representing this uh, Nurse Wells is unacceptable. So I, I'm just saying, I'm not mad at him, even though you could do pro bono, but for a homicide case, that's going to take a lot more hours than you're required to do. And he understands, like, 
I don't care how simple it is. I don't care how clear you say it is that she's innocent. That's not how the real world works. And it's not as easy as that. And he as an attorney understands that and is like, I can't take this for free. I have too many paying clients that I am responsible to provide excellent representation for. Um, yeah, I can't help her. Like, I can't, I can't do that for free because the time that I would need to spend to competently represent her is not time that I have. So um, he's like, I'll think about it. Okay. All right. Bye. So the next scene, we have um, Melanie and Billy Don. Um, she's upset because Dr. Sam is dead. And she's like, it's just not the same. And so uh, Billy Don is griping. And I love that he's in a three-piece suit. Like, she's in her casual, I'm about to get a go in for the weekend for my checkups. And he is dropping her off in a three-piece suit. I'm like, yes, sir. Yes. Okay. Uh, you are the eye candy on, like, she's a beautiful woman too, right? Don't get me wrong. But you are the eye candy because you're not the one who has all the money. And I appreciate that you are living up to your responsibilities <laughs> as a sugar baby. So, <laughs> but, but this is the thing. This is to prove my point that he is a sugar baby. When Melanie turns to him and says, Billy Don, can you do mama, 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 a, a favor? Can you take your fanny down to uh, Milk Porter's office and see what happened with those cattle rights? Okay. <laughs> and walks off. I love these two because he is the straight man to her hysteria. And it, it's just, I love these two. I really, I really do. They are really ancillary. They're not technically needed. They're not red herrings or anything, but I love that they added them. The two actors are playing their roles to perfection. Okay. Perfection, not perfection, not perfection, perfection. <laughs> anyway, so, um, we then have, uh, Jessica coming in and she bumps into Dr. Ellison, who's like, oh, you know, um, oh, where are you going? She's like, oh, I'm, I'm getting ready to go back out. He's like, oh, don't overexhaust yourself. I wouldn't want a, a mark on my first day as director. And, um, she's like, oh, okay. Like, uh, what's that about? And he's like, yeah, so Dr. Kenyon and I are splitting duties um, as director. So this is my day and, you know, whatever. Um, and so Jessica's like, oh, so there won't be a new doctor coming in to replace to replace you? Or one of you. I forget which how she said it. And he was like, oh, you know, it was definitely going to be Dr. Kenyon, but that's not an issue anymore. And she's like, oh, why? He's like, well, Dr. Sam told me, you know, I don't really have the best of upbringings, but he knows a good doctor when he sees it. And so she's like, oh, I, I was under the impression that Dr. Sam never told his subordinates anything. And then she just walks off. <laughs> I was like, yes, Jessica, say it and just walk away. <laughs> like, I'm on to you, man. I'm on to you. So, um, Lieutenant Jenkins 
um, is there. So that's why she leaves. She walks out to um, his car as they're driving. He says, well, you know, he tells her that there was a voicemail left by Dr. Sam for Nurse Horton. And on that voicemail, we learn two things. He says three things, but there are two things to take away from this. First, that he wants Nurse Horton to tell Dr. Kenyon to put Sadie on carrot juice because she's way too active um, while because of the coffee. I'm like, no, she's just a live wire just in her DNA. Uh, that's not caffeine. That is DNA. Okay. <laughs> she came out the womb this live and in living color. Like, honestly and truly. But okay, put her on, put her on carrot juice. That ain't going to do nothing but be healthier, you know? <laughs> anyway, the second thing we learn is that he wants Nurse Horton to find an excuse to fire Nurse Wells because she's starting to act like she's a doctor, okay? And that's what I mean. I'm like, Nurse Wells did not read any of these situations correctly, and she was about to be fired, as she should have been. So they make it, so Jessica and Ray make it to the house again. She wanted to see the murder, she wanted to see the scene of the crime again, they go into the office and, um, you know, I'm like, there were no blood stains on the chair or the carpet in Dr. Sam's office. So I'm like, uh, did they forget to do that? <laughs> did they forget to put blood on, uh, did they forget to put blood on the chair and on the carpet? Like it was clean. It was clean. There wasn't even a bullet hole in the chair. Like, they... Okay. Scenery, y'all failed. Y'all honestly and truly failed on this one. Because there is... (laughs) There's no way that he got shot and died. And there ain't no blood in there. No no blood, no wet floor. um, No strong smell of bleach. Nothing. Nothing. And nobody was in the house to clean it up, you know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) They discuss the heated pond. And Jessica says that, well, that's to throw off the time of the murder. And Ray is like, well, why would they need to do that? Like, the neighbor heard a shot a little bit after 11. The alarm went off at 11.06. The security guard found Dr. Sam dead at 11.15. So Jessica's like, oh, do you have any blanks for your guns? Because she's having an epiphany now. And um, he says, I can get some. So we go to the neighbor, who is also a riot. I, The actress is wonderful. She's, she's wonderful. And this character that she's playing, I love. she's kind of kooky. And she's just like convinced that she is on a game show. That they have hidden cameras in her house. How they did that, I don't know. Without her knowing. Um... <laughs> And it's just, is unconvinced that Ray is actually a detective because he is an attractive man and he's on the younger side. I was like, he looked probably like 35, but for her, that's young, right? And so <laughs> I, I'm telling you, all of these auxiliary characters, I love them so much. And this neighbor is just the perfect amount of just like rich Southern 
lady who's a little bit kooky and suspicious. And I love it. Love it. Anyway, so um, we hear a shot and everybody goes outside and uh, (laughs) the neighbor's like, did I get it right? I heard one. I heard one shot. And they're like, Ray's like, I shot twice. She was like, oh, I got it wrong. How many guesses do I get? (laughs) How many chances do I get? (laughs) They're like, "Uh, what? No, no, this is not a game show, ma'am. So the one, the shot inside could not be heard by the neighbor. So it could have occurred at any point in time prior to the shot a little bit after 11 p.m. So the next scene, we're at the hospital and Jessica's talking to Nurse Horton. That's when we find out that uh, Dr. Sam and Nurse Horton, Marge, uh, have a relation, had, because he's now passed, a relationship, a romantic, a romantic relationship. As they're talking, a nurse comes in or a candy striper, a nurse's aide, not a candy striper, I'll call her a nurse's aide. Uh, comes running in and it's like, Mrs. Horton, Mrs. Horton, um, uh, the police are here and they're arresting and they're arresting Nurse Wells. Come quick. They're in the locker room. So there's a gun found in Nurse Wells' locker. Ray was able to get a search warrant based on a tip that the murder weapon would be found in Nurse Wells' locker. Ray is like, well, you know, we'll have to have it tested for ballistics to see if it's the murder weapon. And Jessica says, of course it's the murder weapon. Whoever heard of framing someone with the wrong gun? Period. That's it. Close the book. That is the quote of the day. <laughs> she is right. She is right. And Ray is just like, I got to do what I got to do. Okay. You're right, but I got to do what I got to do. The next scene, we're in Porter's office and Jessica is trying to get him to represent Nurse Wells now that she has formally been charged and bail has been set. So she wants him to help bail her out, which he he can't bail her out. He would have to find out what funds she has in order to bail her out. A defense attorney can't bail his client out or should not, you know, because then that, that's all types of conflicts, but okay. Um, so... <laughs> So we learn that um, as he's finishing up a call, that the client that he is talking about to his associate is too dangerous to get bail for, but he's going to be out soon enough once they get him acquitted. Uh, What? Uh, 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 Say what? (laughs) What? (laughs) But then it gets better. We find out that Porter is um, a longtime friend and attorney for Dr. Sam and that he has helped him get out a helped him get out of four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four malpractice suits. Now, I am not a doctor, nor do I work in medical malpractice law. So I do not know if four malpractice suits over a career that probably spanned at least over a probably three decade career is bad. But as just a regular viewer, four seems like a lot, okay? (laughs) 
So I'll take it with a grain of salt that that might not be bad, that there are four over the um, the course of his career. Then as they're talking, Dr. Kenyon comes in and he says the hospital will pay for the representation of Nurse Wells, that Dr. Ellison should have stepped in last night and handled this, but he didn't. So, you know, whatever, whatever, I'm here to the rescue. So the next scene, we have Sadie and Barney. We're back at the hospital and they're playing uh, poker. Gin? Gin. I think gin rummy <laughs> or poker. I don't know. Whatever. They're playing and um, Barney is beating her, but she is a mean player, which I believe. And I just love their chemistry. I love this scene. I just love seeing them together. He is coming out of his depression. He ha now has, you know, a friend because he said he didn't have any friends. His wife died uh, a few years ago and they don't have any children. So now he has a friend and he's talking about taking her to Hong Kong. I'm like, yes, yes. Second chance at love. I love this. Oh, this is so nice. Anyway, <laughs> I'm telling you, this is all about the auxiliary characters. I don't like any of the doctor. I don't like the deceased. I don't like Dr. Kenyon. I don't like Dr. Ellison. Uh, I don't like Nurse Wells either, okay? I like Nurse Horton, um, Billy Don, Melanie. Um, then you got uh, Sadie, Barney. Um, who else? I think that's it. Oh, Ray. I like him too. You know, like the auxiliary, and of course, I love Jessica, okay? <laughs> but she she will never be auxiliary. But she is the only main focus character that I really like in this episode, in all episodes, you know, because she's J.B. Fletcher. But the auxiliary characters are what makes this one of my favorite episodes. Now, let me close this up because there's still a few scenes left. <laughs> But I love this scene between Sadie and Barney so much. I had to stop and, and give props to all of the extra characters in this, uh, this show, in this episode. So Jessica comes and joins them. And when Barney asks for coffee and Sadie says, no, he'll have a carrot juice and so will I. And this triggers an epiphany with Jessica. So she's like, oh, okay. She goes off and they're, they're like, oh my goodness, are you okay? Like, is it something we said? And Sadie's like, I don't know. Let's keep playing. I was like, yes. Okay, y'all, y'all get back to one and two. Y'all get back to one and two. Jessica's going to be all right. Okay. <laughs> she is in crime solving mode. Um, the next scene, we are in the hallway where the nurse's station is. Um, or I guess the, the front desk. We'll call it the front desk because I, I think that's what it is. And um, Ray is talking to Dr. Ellison about whether this is his gun. So Jessica comes along with her crutches, which I think are a little too short for her. But I don't know. I've never had to wear crutches, but it, it looked uncomfortable. Anyway, so she comes flying around the corner on these crutches. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> he's like uh questioning a suspect that's what i'm doing trying to see if this is his gun anyway so she was like uh, can i please speak to you and so they go in there and she is tearing him a new one just just arguing and like i said the acoustics in this administration office is amazing uh, amazing they should have concerts there 
they could have concerts there. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Billy Don and um, I guess he's there visiting Melanie because she is clearly in her night clothes with her her robe with the the feathers around it. Um, she's ready for bed because uh, <laughs> she's getting her weekend checkups, right? And so Billy Don is there in his suit. Yes, arm candy. Got it. <laughs> he's like, um, they're, they're talking like, oh, I would never expect that from that, that old gal. And Billy Don's like, oh, you can't tell a cake from the icing. I was like, put the phone down. Put the phone down. <laughs> Turn the channel. Pick up the... It's like, what? Pick up the remote. Turn the channel. That's it. That is it. What? You can't tell the cake from the icing? That's the truth. That is the truth. I, I love it. Anyway. <laughs> I, I'm done with these two. I am done. You have convinced me that I love these two characters. You don't have to... You didn't have to do this extra thing to me. You didn't have to do this. But then... Right? <laughs> Jessica comes. So then Milton Porter is like, oh, like she's like, she's really giving it to them, however he put it. And Jessica comes around the corner and is like, oh, thank you. And when I saw this is my favorite part. I'm sorry, this is my favorite part. When Milton Porter takes off his hat and he's like, wait a damn minute. He is shocked and appalled that how are they arguing in the office? And you can still hear Jessica's voice yelling at Ray. But she's coming around this corner. And <laughs> he's like, now, wait a damn minute. So, anyway. So then Ray comes out. Okay, okay. So Ray comes out of the office with a boom box and he presses stop. The camera then pans to Ellison and Kenyon looking at each other and you can clearly see Kenyon's face drop. Like he can't he can't disguise when he is out of sorts at all. So you can clearly see that on his face. So this is how it breaks down. Uh Ellison Ellison's like, this is the story. All right, this is what had happened. That Dr. Kenyon told Dr. Sam that he was leaving to go start his on-call shift at the hospital, but he did not leave. He basically hid out. And then at um, after the party was over, he then went down to Dr. Sam's office where he, Dr. Sam was leaving the message for Nurse Horton. After that, he walked up to him and shot him. Now, we're seeing the reenactment. And why was there not blood on the chair and or a and a bullet hole? Now, <laughs> now, the actor who played Dr. Sam did the most. He did the most. He, like, seized up and fell out the chair <laughs> on the ground. But... Was it, but there was not a drop of blood on that man's jacket. Okay. So then Dr. Kenyon picks him up under his arms and drags him out um, to the lanai. 
that's not what you call that's what I'm gonna call it right and throws him in the water and um leaves so the alarm is not set at this point I don't think so he then without a drop of blood on him Dr. Kenyon then finally leaves for the hospital to start his shift when he gets to the hospital he gets into an argument with Dr. Ellison as planned. They go into the office. Dr. Kenyon is playing an argument that was pre-recorded. Dr. Ellison then goes out the back door, drives to Dr. Sam's. He, um, I think he's the one who takes the keys. He drops it. He fires his gun um, outside a little after 11, he then sets off the alarm and leaves. So he then later, once Nurse Wells became a suspect, he, Dr. Ellison, planted his own gun, which was the murder weapon and also used, because um, Dr. Kenyon brought it back and gave it to Dr. Ellison so he could go and fire a shot in the air to confuse the time of death. So now this has all come out. And um, they're now uh, arguing with each other. So Dr. Ellison and Dr. Um, Kenyon are arguing because it's like, this was all Ellis, this was all Kenyon's idea, you know, Mr. Ivy League. And he's like, it was a good plan, but I had to deal, I had to work with an idiot. Jessica kind of like gets pushed out the way as the, the two doctors are trying to fight each other. Um, Ray steps in and breaks them up and he's like, y'all both going to prison. So I don't know why y'all fighting each other. <laughs> y'all equally as guilty. So, but if you notice Milton Porter, who Jessica is kind of leaning on, um, he's looking at her with just this look of shock and excitement like he is in love I'm sorry but like for that moment this man is in love with Jessica <laughs> he is like, you're the most amazing woman that I have met in my entire life and she is just focused on the doctors and and Ray seeing how this is all playing out which is typical she ain't messing with no Milton Porter she ain't giving him the time of day okay <laughs> Wouldn't even tell him it was three o'clock. <laughs> so the last scene, um, Jessica is getting ready to leave and Milton Porter pulls up and it's like, anyway, I just, I didn't say it before, but I love Milton Porter. Okay. I, I love him. I had to give him a special shout out because of this right here. Okay. So um, Jessica is like, Oh, you know, I told you I really don't want to sue the airport. And um, Mil and Porter's like, oh, you should really rethink that. I could get you hundreds of thousands of dollars. She's like, I don't need that. It's fine. He's like, well, you know what? It's probably better because I probably won't have the time to do it. I just picked up this new case. Two doctors working for an absolute tyrant of a man and blah, blah, etc. So long story short, it's Dr. Ellison and Dr. Kenyon. And Jessica's like, you can't win that case. He's like, I didn't take a case that I was going to lose. <laughs> right? and so, so 
We also find out that he was able to settle Harold's case so Jessica can go back home and not have to come back because the case was settled and Harold was vindicated. And so, um, <laughs> so this is when, this is the part where uh, Porter's like, oh, goodbye. You know, Jessica, that's the only thing you're going to say to me after all we've been through. And she's like, you know what? There's one other thing. He's like, yes. She's like, see you in court. (laughs) He is done. He is done. He is just like, what? Now, and and that's the end of the the episode. But... (laughs) You know, he is thinking, I might not be able to take this case now because if Jessica is a witness and how valuable she was and the difference that she made when they found out that she was on the witness list for Harold Endicott and she is so well known as a mystery writer, but more more importantly, has been known to assist in the... Uh, assist in solving homicides throughout the country right at this point has she I don't I don't think she had any international ones during season one but is well well known for solving homicides so I know that he is rethinking this now because by her saying see you in court it's like oh crap she's gonna be a witness for the prosecution debt this no 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 it ain't enough money in the world because i'm gonna lose that case and then you know when you lose cases like that people don't want to pay their money because they're going to prison forever so um, <laughs> i know his tone changed real quick that next phone call he made to ellison or to Kenyon, okay? But as an aside, okay, so now this is the lawyer part. How is he representing co-defendants in a homicide when their defense is going to be, it was the other guy? There is no way if Ellison's statement and his defense is that I did not shoot him, Kenyon shot him. Now, I'm guilty of conspiracy, and I will get the same amount of time for the murder that we conspire to commit. But I did not pull the trigger. So I should not get as much time as him because I did not kill Dr. Sam. Okay? So you can't play, unless they're both going to take a plea, there is no way in this world, there's no court in these United States that is going to allow you to represent two defendants, two co-defendants in a case where their defense is pointing at the other person. But there's an additional layer on this because he represented Dr. Sam for years. So there is clearly a conflict because, because Porter knows Dr. Sam. He knows his business because he represented him in a malpractice suit. So you know a lot about this man that you can then use to the benefit of 
your clients who were claiming he was a tyrant and we were pushed to do this because he was just a terrible person and stressed us out by playing us against each other, thinking that we had to fight for our jobs by sabotaging the other doctor. All of that is fine and good, but I cannot imagine any judge allowing him, being a porter, to represent defendants who are accused of murdering one of his other clients. Okay, that is a gigantic conflict. (laughs) Okay. So in the real world, I don't care if this is 1985. I don't care if this is Texas. There is no way in the world that Milton Porter would have been able to represent both of those doctors. There is no way. There is absolutely no legal way that he would be able to represent those two doctors. So that's that on that. Okay. (laughs) And so that's that on that. Another amazing episode that I clearly loved. And you could hear I laughed my way through this entire episode. (laughs) You know those who I absolutely loved. You know those who I did not like. There was no one I hated. I did not hate anyone in this episode and you clearly know there are some people that I deeply despise uh but I disliked characters I did not hate anybody um but I did truly love 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 the other characters the ones that I liked I loved okay (laughs) anyway so next week we will be doing murder at the oasis Okay, and I am looking forward to that one. There are some interesting fashions. All I'm saying is the lobster necklace, okay, uh, is wild, okay? <laughs> anyway. anyway, so next week, 5 p.m. Sunday night, I will see you there for Murder at the Oasis. If you want early access, go over to the Fletcher Files pod on Patreon and sign up. If you want a review of, if you want a once a month review of the Murder She Wrote book series, go over to the Fletcher Files pod on Patreon. If you want a movie review of Please Murder Me, with Angela Lansbury and Raymond Burr, an amazing movie. Um, Only 70 minutes, I believe. Just a joy. You want a review of that? Over to the Fletcher Files pod on Patreon. Coming up this week on March 3rd, 2021, a review of A Beautiful Place to Die, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries series episode one. So it's the Martha's Vineyard Mysteries, the first of which is A Beautiful Place to Die. So that will be uploaded on Patreon on Wednesday, March 3rd, over on the Fletcher Files pod on, say it with me, Patreon. (laughs) And any other story times that I, I feel like giving, I have another travel story time coming up next month. Also have the next book, um, Manhattan and Murder, that will be coming out as well in about two weeks. And another 
So for all of that additional content, go over to the Fletcher Files Pod on Patreon. I will see you over there or I will see you right back here wherever you listen to podcasts for Murder at the Oasis. Until next time, have an amazing week. See you next time. Bye.